everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I am your Muscle Maven, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope that your January is going well so far. I hope that you're not too frozen or stuck in the house or any combination of miserable things that can happen in January. I hope you're thriving and having a good time. Okay. Today's episode is with one of my uh, OG friends on the podcast. She's been on the podcast more than anybody. She's essentially a co-host at this point. And I'm the same over on her uh, podcast. Her name is Rachel Gregory. And I've had her on because we've worked together um, a lot. And she has a lot of knowledge. She does a ton of programming um, and courses for for women, um, for people looking to train on a ketogenic diet, for um, all kinds of different sort of programs. She's a podcast host, nutritionist, and awesome coach. And so we've been doing sort of these Q&A episodes. We've been going back and forth on each other's podcasts. And this one I really wanted to, to post on my show because it's something that I don't really talk about or focus on much, and that is the dreaded C word, cardio, right? It's, you know, people love it or hate it, right? Most people hate it. Um, But I I mean, I talk about it a little bit in that I try to avoid that word and instead talk about the importance of movement and maybe the other C word, conditioning, which is also important. We want to have cardiovascular conditioning. Um, Depending on our goals, either performance or aesthetic, we need to be intelligent about the types of movement and conditioning and cardio that we do. Um, But I think just the, the general conversation of, want to be skinny, do cardio on a treadmill all day long. That's totally played out. A lot of people still do it, unfortunately. Um, But we're trying to change that. And we're trying to just sort of have a pragmatic, practical, unemotional, um, not clickbait type of conversation around cardio. So I'm really excited that we got to do this. And I'm, I'm posting this now because Rachel and I are also in the process right now in the midst of working on a really, really big project for you. Um, And I'm going to just kind of tease it a little bit. It's a program. It's a course that we're working on together um, around hypertrophy for women. Um, But, you know, combining our, uh, what, how old are we now? I mean, decades of experience together um, with muscle building, with strength building, with body composition work, um, coaching for ourselves, for other people, um, and just having this kind of be the common refrain that comes back over and over again is I want to build muscle, but I want to look good. I want to lose fat, um, but I don't want to just focus on being skinny. Um, And there is still a lot of misconceptions around how that works for women, how it's different, how it's maybe not so different from how men do it. Um, So we're working on this really, really next level intensive program that is going to be involved. It's going to be very, um, it's going to be a lot of work for us and for the people who take it, but it's going to be useful and good. And we're super pumped about it. I don't have a date yet. We're looking at sometime in the first quarter of 2021. If this is something that's interesting to you and you even just want to know a bit more, send me a message um, on Instagram, or you can send me an email through my website and I will add you to the sort of VIP first look list so that you can get access to it. Um, Because the first intake of this program is going to be limited. It's not just anybody can take it. We're going to have a a limited group. Um, So if you're interested, let me know, reach out to me, however, and I'll make sure that you're the first to know when it is available. But I kind of just wanted to put that bug in your ear that I'm very excited about it because we just want to create programs and communities and opportunities for people to really learn so that it's not just we're throwing you a PDF and telling you to figure it out for yourself. Um, We're not trying to stick to these old tropes of you can do anything in 21 days if you diet hard enough. We really want this to be sustainable. We want it to be useful. We want it to be functional for people so that they can be confident, they can be strong, they can really see results. Um, And that's what we're trying to do. And it takes a lot of work. So that's why it's not ready yet. But it will be ready soon. Uh, And I'm really excited about it. And I'm excited about this episode. I think it's entertaining and useful, and it'll help us debunk some myths around the dreaded C word. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the awesome Rachel Gregory. All right, we're back. We're back again. Back 80th time. We just need to do, we just need to like create our own podcast, the two of us at some point, because we might as well. I mean, 
there's not enough podcasts out there. There's only a few. So why not create another one? Right. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) once I get, I feel like I'm still getting my podcast like down and you're like just killing yours. So I appreciate that. But I mean, I feel like we're all just kind of, you know, figuring it out and trying to keep going from week to week. But yeah, I mean, I I think, yeah, sorry. No, I was just say, how long again have you been podcasting for? Um, I started hosting paleo magazine. I want to say 2017. So like I've been doing it 17, 18, 19, 20, like four years, four years, and probably really only the last six months by myself. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I've learned a lot, but I think one of the reasons why there's so many podcasts out there and why they keep going, even if they maybe aren't super successful, or aren't making a ton of money is because there's so much value in the person doing it, right? Like um, there's a low barrier to entry for a lot of people, but also it's like, if I can just keep this going because I get access to so many smart people and I get to have these amazing conversations. And then if it just helps a couple people, that's great. I mean, at a certain point, it's a lot of work. And if you're not getting any return, that's a problem. But I think that people just keep doing it because it's just, it is such a cool medium and it's such a valuable resource for not only the people who get to listen, but the people who get to do it too. So yeah, I agree. That's I mean, why it we're is, still here. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's like so rewarding in the sense that, you know, I've, and just recently over the last few weeks, I've had a lot of people reach out saying that like they listen to the podcast like on, you know, their walks and it's like their go to. And I'm like, that's exactly like, I love that. And they're like just saying that they're learning so much, which is obviously what we want. Right. So, yeah, that's cool. Pretty awesome. Awesome. So we're talking about everyone's favorite topic today, <laughs> the topic that everyone just loves. Yeah. Cardio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I feel like it's one of those things that just like it's it's like we have to like kind of understand it to really be able to implement it properly. And when I say properly, I mean like not overdo it or underdo it. I feel like there's just such like a happy medium. I mean, and this is with anything, right? Like dieting in the last episode, we talked about building muscle, but it's like people can go. And I always talk about this, like the two ends of the extreme where you're like not doing anything. And then you're just doing like way too much. And I think just with anything else, like finding a balance for you and your overall really stress load, I think is one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't you know, think about when they think about implementing cardio or how much cardio they're doing. It's like, that is a stress on your body. If you're doing tons of it. And if you're doing tons of, you know, hit training and stuff like that, which we're going to get into. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also it, it's a bad word because most people don't like it, but it also, we talk a lot about semantics, I think on this, on this podcast and how mm-hmm. people hear a word and they automatically turn off because they don't maybe understand it. Or we yeah. might, um, use trendy words that really, once you kind of get past the trendy part of it are actually really offering a lot of value. And I mean, we can look at cardio as being the, types of movement we do during the day that we enjoy. So going for long walks, going for hikes, if you're a skier in the winter, if you, you know, like to do um, adventure races, like these things are all cardio too. It's just, it sounds a lot more fun when you say skiing than cardio because you're just doing an activity that you like. And so again, I think it's understanding what you're actually talking about when you talk about it. Like, are we talking about cardio for cardio's sake? Are we talking about it for fat loss? Are we talking about it for metabolic conditioning and heart health and optimizing your overall functional health? Are we talking about it specific to a sport that may need more or less? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's a bad word. It's the C word, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't have to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So let's, do you want to jump into the questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We got five questions here. So I'll just read read off the first one. So the first one is, um, this is one that I got. I listened to your cardio confusion podcast and wondering once you meet your goals, what do you suggest next? You really can't keep increasing because as you said, you're going to burn out. Do you take a break? Do you switch goals? How long of a break before you go type a gung ho again? (laughs) That's a big question, isn't it? I mean, and that, I think the question applies not just to cardio specifically, but to any goal and especially any physical goal. It's like, how do you know when you've reached your goal? How do you maintain that? How do you 
move on to the next thing? Um, how do you cycle? Like there's, there's, you know, that's like a, a deeply complex, I think an individual question, but I mean, we can yeah. try to work through it. Yeah. I mean, it says, what do you suggest next once you meet your goal? So I would say like, if you do meet your goal, then the next step would be, I mean, depending on you, but set a new goal. Right. <laughs> um, and depending on like what, and, and I think with this question, I don't like, I probably would need, a, I probably should ask for a little bit more background context in, in the terms of what exactly the goal was. Cause if the goal is, you know, implementing cardio for, you know, fat loss is the goal implementing cardio for, you know, you're trying to do a triathlon or, you know, a marathon or something like that. Like we talk about the different, you know, applications. And that's what I was talking about in the cardio confusion podcast. When she asked this, I was talking about how like we, especially with myself, like having a type A personality and wanting to just go, go, go all the time. And, you know, not realizing that there is a point where you, like we said, you have kind of this stress bucket and it can overflow if you're not careful and adding more and more kind of cardio and stress, especially in the form of HIIT training, cannot be super advantageous um, if you are already stressed in all other areas of your life. Um, but when it comes to, you know, this, she said, do you switch goals? I would say, yeah. I mean, it just depends like what you're trying to get out of it. Like, are you training for something? For me specifically, like I love having a specific goal um, for certain things, um, but I don't think, you know, everybody's different. You don't necessarily have to have a goal for your body composition or for, you know, anything, right. You don't have to, but for personally, for me, if I don't have a specific goal, then it's hard for me to like, you know, get, get up every day. And for example, if I'm implanting cardio, like go, you know, walk on the incline treadmill for 20 minutes to get my cardio. And if my goal is, if I'm in like a deep fat loss phase or something like that, like if I didn't have a goal of, you know, a photo shoot or something like that, then I would be like, why the hell am I doing this? Like, what, what does it matter? Right. So yeah. I think there's also a conversation there around like goal setting and achieving. And there's, there's sort of like a story arc there. Like there is with any story where it's like the first part is the getting to the goal. The second part is this maintenance phase. Cause presumably whatever it is might last more than five minutes. So how do you stay there? If your goal is like fat loss or a certain strength level or something. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a side on the end, which is either coming out of a super restrictive hardcore training um, period or um, how to you know transition into a next goal. So there's sort of three distinct parts there for most people. And I think part of one of those questions is like, how do you, once you've achieved a goal, how do you kind of stay there? Like how does your training change from something that may be more regimented and strict to get to the goal? And then once you're there, how do you stay there? And so if we're talking about something like fat loss, um, that's, there are kind of distinct stages there, right? Because mm -hmm. maintenance activity and eating is probably going to look different than what you had to eat and do to get there. Right. And I think generally speaking, as long as the goal that you, that you reached isn't incredibly unsustainable and unnatural for you, maintenance tends to be a little bit easier than mm -hmm. the work to get it. Right. So I think that that's something that again, working with a coach is very important. Um, and understanding your baseline, your like metabolic rate and your baseline calories that you need and how that's going to change as you lose fat and build muscle and things like that. Um, but coming up with a, a sort of sustainable maintenance plan is just as important if not more so than the plan to get you there, right? Because like you said, anybody can kind of follow something super strict and super intense for a short period of time because they see this amazing light at the end of the tunnel. But then when you get there and you're like lost, you're like, well, shit, now what do I do? Because I'm not going to keep crazy dieting or whatever. I'm here yeah. now. So now what do I do? Um, and that's a really significant thing that I think a lot of people um, don't always pay as much attention to because the focus is so much on getting there and mm -hmm. then not so much on how do you stay or how do you live there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then also realizing like what fits with your lifestyle. Like if you, and this is why I don't, and if we're talking, we're talking about fat loss here. If I don't like, you know, incorporating cardio until it's absolutely necessary, like it's kind of the, the last thing, especially, you know, if you're in a fat loss phase or whatever it may be, like, that's the last thing because your body adapts to cardio, right? I talked about this all in the, all in that podcast, cardio confusion, which I'll link in the show notes or, um, but it's like, once you get there, right. And say you're doing, you know, tons and tons of cardio to reach your goal. You don't want to, like, if you're maintaining, you have to pull that back. Right. Unless you are someone who enjoys, 
you know, doing tons and tons of cardio. Um, but that's kind of like the last piece of the puzzle, because if you just start with that, right, if you kind of get into your deficit, just using cardio alone, then you're going to adapt to that. You're going to have to just do more and more and more every single week to continue seeing the result that you want. And then once you get to that result, it's like, oh crap, I, now I just have to make, keep doing this cardio to maintain. Whereas if you, you know, look at all the other factors and we talked all about this in the last one about building muscle, um, and that's super important. So anyway, we have a question that's related to that. So I won't get too far into that now, but. You talk a lot about um, different like cut, cutting phases and like sort of bulking phases that you've been through. But mm -hmm. I don't know if we've really talked too much about any maintenance work that you've done. Cause it seems like, like you said, you love to have goals. And so you're always either like, all right, I'm trying to gain more muscle or I'm trying to lean out for something or whatever. Yeah. But have you gone through any like sort of periods where you are focusing solely on maintaining what you have and how has that looked for you? Yeah. So that's actually what I went through, I guess, last year. So I had my, I did like my, I had my initial kind of transformation, um, through the summer of 2019. And I had my first photo shoot in August, 2019. And then after the photo shoot, really the goal, you know, it was getting into the fall, getting into the holiday season. So my goal was really just like, I want to maintain where I'm at. Obviously after the photo shoot, I wasn't, I didn't, I probably couldn't, well, I didn't maintain the exact leanness that I was at with the photo shoot. And that's what a lot of people have to realize too. You talk about this all the time, like getting super, super lean and, you know, being something that you can sustain is especially for a photo shoot or for, I mean, it gets, depends how lean you get. But for me, like I wasn't super, super lean. Like it wasn't like stage ready lean or anything like that, but it was pretty lean. Um, so I did gain a little bit back, did a reverse. And then my goal through the rest of 2019 and then into 2020 was just to maintain for about, I guess, from August to March. So that was like, how many months is that? Six months, five months? August, like September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Oh, eight, like seven, eight, eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Wow. Can't do math. Um, yeah. So I maintained for about eight months, um, pretty much where I was at. Um, and then I had the goal of the, the cruise to get a little bit leaner. And during that maintenance, <clears throat> sorry. Wow. <clears throat> during that maintenance phase, my goal was to just, you know, maintain and work on kind of building a little bit more muscle. And I did, you know, my lifts did increase in the gym, but not to the degree that they are right now when I'm in a building phase. So anyway, I went through that period to maintain and then I, you know, cut again for the cruise that didn't happen. And looking <clears throat> back on it, I probably wasn't ready to go into another fat loss phase. Like I probably should have just maintained and then gone into a building phase from there, but I had set another goal. Um, but I think that's all just part of the process, part of learning, like, you know, along the way. And that's why I personally like having these different, you know, stages and going through them myself, because when I take clients through them, it's a lot easier for me to relate to what they're going through. And I just like that experimentation and like seeing what I can do. Um, mm -hmm. so I like that. I think to kind of close the loop on this question, I think a like general answer that does make sense is, you know, when it's time to change a goal or adjust a plan, when you have plateaued, when you are no longer interested or when you are seeing negative results. So like an, another example that I've used multiple times is when I have potential clients come to me who say, I'm obsessed with keto, I love keto, I did hardcore keto for two years and I lost 50 pounds and now my hormones are messed up and I've plateaued and I'm kind of getting weight back again and I'm miserable and I'm unhappy, what do I do? It's like probably not keto anymore, probably, right? Like, yeah. so you'll start to, and, and part of knowing when that time comes, is tracking, paying close attention to what you're doing. And that doesn't mean obsessively tracking everything you do, but it means if you're, if you're doing fitness, physical stuff in the gym and you're tracking it and paying attention, are you noticing plateaus? Are you noticing that you're not interested or passionate about the work that you're doing anymore? Do you notice that maybe mm -hmm. your strength numbers are going down? Are your hormones out of whack? If you've been eating a certain way and it's worked, and then after three weeks, maybe three weeks have gone by where it isn't working anymore and your energy's bad and your digestion's bad and maybe your mood's messed up and like you start to notice these things, those are signs that things, mm -hmm. something needs to change. And our bodies know that we like, um, we like variety. We like to switch things up. We like to cycle things on and off. We like to, it likes variety. It likes to be sort of surprised into making changes and adjustments. So 
there is always that fine line between you need to give a new diet or a new workout its time. You need to adhere to it. You need to be dedicated to it for a certain amount of time because your body doesn't change overnight. But you also probably don't want to pick one one workout methodology and one diet and stick to it for the next 25 years. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're going to want to make changes. And so the, the biggest thing I'd say is just work on paying attention to your body and its signals and it will tell you. So again, with bodybuilding, if you're bored as hell with it, maybe try something else. Or yeah. if you're, you know, never ha- haven't eaten a carb in three years and you're feeling kind of low energy, I don't know, maybe you should try something different. Right. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, something you've talked about before too, is, is investing in a coach and investing in somebody who's knowledgeable that can have a little bit of an outside objective look who can be kind of tracking the stuff for you too and saying like, okay, well, this has worked and now it's not working anymore as well. So let's pivot and adjust and make some changes. Um, but it really, there is no sort of like definitive, like we can't say like change your diet after 12 weeks or do it, you know, it's completely individual. So it really matters more about how you feel, how your body is responding to it. And like I've said many times before, taking away the um, emotional connection to what you're doing so that it's not like you've done keto and now it's not working, but you can't give it up because it means you failed or it means you didn't do it right. That's not, that's not accurate. You know, your, your goals change, your needs change, and you need to be willing to kind of change with it. So just kind of be a bit more fluid and, and be okay with things, uh, changing because that's mm. what life is. Yeah, I agree. And one more thing, cause I just thought about this in terms of like goal setting, like, understanding that, you know, when you're setting a goal, you really need to think about why you're setting that goal. And you kind of post about this. I think you post about this like a few days ago about, you know, getting abs, right. And setting the goal to get abs. And then once you have the abs, it's like, yeah, people look and they're like, oh yeah, like that's cool. And then they just go about their lives. Right. And it doesn't like, it doesn't really affect them. Right. So it's like, okay, why are you, why do you have this goal and what does it mean to you versus how you, you know, perceive other people looking at you when you've reached this goal. Um, so that's another thing that I think, and I've done this, I've done this many times myself too, right? Like we all, we all care what other people think to some degree. Right. And we all want to have that kind of like, um, you know, shining moment. But Mm -hmm. I think the underlying thing that you really need to think about is why, and really honing in on that why, but also understanding that, you know, once you reach that goal, like think about what happens next versus reaching that and then be like, okay, now what do I do? Like have a plan for after you hit that goal, I guess. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. Um, do you want me to ask the next question? Yeah. Cardio questions. Okay. (laughs) I do a brisk walk every morning, 30 to 45 minutes with the heart rate range between 115 and 135, which is around 5,000 steps. Um, would that be considered doing cardio or just getting your steps in? So again, we're talking semantics here. Mm -hmm. Um, this person says they listen to your cardio confusion podcast, but still not sure what this is achieving, I suppose. Yeah. So I would say if, you know, when I look at cardio, I, or when I think of cardio myself, I'm like, okay, cardio in my eyes is implementing something specifically, um, for goal. Like, so you know, and when I say like cardio, usually I look at cardio as like low intensity training or moderate intensity training. And then I, I define like high intensity training as more conditioning. That's just kind of like how I personally look at the two terms. Um, but when we're talking about like walks, so she said a brisk walk between 115, and 135 beats per minute. So I would say that's pretty, um, that's definitely lower intensity. Um, and so in this, I believe in the cardio confusion podcast or the heart rate, heart rate training podcast, which was the follow-up to the cardio confusion podcast. I talked about heart rate zones and stuff like that. Um, and how you can use those to gauge, you know, your, you know, how much effort you're, you're bringing to the table and where your heart rate is at. So I talked all about that in the heart rate zone um, episode. So I'll link that one in the show notes. Um, but I would say 115 to 135 is definitely probably around like 60 to 70%, maybe 50%, like closer to that 115. Um, I don't know this person's age, um, but I'm assuming, yeah, 115 to 135 is around that. So that's a brisk walk. I mean, I, I think that's pretty sustainable. Um, you said you get around 5k steps. I personally walk every single day. Like I try to hit 10k steps, you know, when I'm walking to and from the gym, 
Um, I would say if you're like incorporating running into that and all that, like that would be just, you know, managing the fatigue side of things and understanding like, again, where you're at with your stress level. Um, but in terms of, you know, a brisk walk every day, I think that's personally like, that's very, very healthy. Right. And that's really good for getting you, um, you know, building up that aerobic base that we talk about and, um, kind of, you know, although you are in that 115 range, it's still pretty parasympathetic versus being higher than that, which be more in that sympathetic stressed out stage. Um, so I think that's, I mean, I personally would say that that's, that's great. And if you can maintain that and it makes you feel good and you enjoy walking, um, I would say that's probably, you know, not necessarily considered like technically cardio, like that makes sense. I mean, I also feel like, why can't it be both? It, that can be cardio yeah. and getting your steps in, yeah. like it, depending on the person. I mean, I, um, and again, like you said, depending on your goals, like if your goal, if you need to lose 40 pounds of fat, like maybe a sort of brisk, you know, 5k walk isn't going to be enough. Maybe that's, that's mm -hmm. a great start. And that's part of what you need to do. Maybe you need to incorporate some other things like hit or longer walks or incline walks or whatever. But I think what you're doing is absolutely, um, like you said, Rachel, very healthy, mm -hmm. um, excellent for your mental health, for your breathing, for general functional wellness that every single person should be doing is going for walks. Doing it first thing in the morning is fantastic. Doing it before mm -hmm. you eat is fantastic because you're getting some of this fasted uh, exercise in that's going to burn some fat. Um, but it can, it can, these things can all be the same. Like it doesn't have to be like your mental health walks, yeah. getting your steps in don't have to be separate from your cardio. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, prepping for bodybuilding shows and I had to do cardio because again, I'm not taking drugs and I'm a woman. So that fat's <laughs> not going anywhere unless I try very hard. Um, so in addition to my weightlifting and eating very strictly and also um, a couple times a week, like intense hit workouts, I was doing steady state cardio in the morning, but it wasn't uh, 140 beats a minute kind of gasping, holding on to a stair climber. It yeah. was brisk walks. That's yeah. what it was. Like what she's, this person is describing. Sometimes I did it on a treadmill on an incline. Sometimes I did it outside. Sometimes I was hiking and it was a little bit more challenging than others, but I wasn't doing like jogging where you're kind of just tired enough, but you're not mm. actually working that hard and you're kind of miserable and it's not sustainable. Like I was doing just chill, brisk walks. My heart yeah. rate's up a little bit, but I could do it forever. I was listening to a podcast. I could talk you know? Um, and I think that that was, that was great. That was good for my hormones. It was good for, you know, I could listen to my podcasts and, and start the day well, and I was doing it fasted. Um, so yeah, again, depends, depends on your goals, yeah. but I think going for a nice brisk walk first thing in the morning is something everybody should be aspiring to if you can. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I kind of going back to what I said, I do would actually, I would consider this technically cardio. So I'm going back on what I said, but when she said, you know, would that be considered doing cardio? or getting your steps in it, like you said, it depends on the goal. So if you're doing that, you do that every day and that's part of your normal day, but you're looking to incorporate more cardio on top of that. I would say that, yeah, like depending on what your goal is, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to this again, that like 115, 135, that is definitely low intensity cardio. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would, I would consider that, but again, just depends what your goal is. If you have a specific goal that, you know, if you've been doing this brisk walk for months on end and nothing's changing and you have like your nutrition dialed in, you have everything dialed in and you're looking to reach a specific goal, then probably have to implement something else on top of that. Um, in, in that regard. So sorry if yeah. I, I made that confusing. No, that's okay. I, <laughs> I think, have puppy yeah. brain right now. <laughs> so hopefully we I'm, get a, hopefully we get a, um, cameo appearance by Lilo yeah. at some point. I'm like <laughs> a little bit sleep deprived. So my brain is like kind of working on 50%. You know how they say like baby brain? Yeah. I think puppy brain is definitely a thing, which just means like you're sleep deprived and you wake up every two hours with a puppy who's whining. Mm -hmm. What do you call the brain of someone who doesn't have a puppy or a baby, but still can't sleep? Okay, everybody, just a couple quick minutes. Let me tell you about today's show sponsor. Don't fast forward my favorite people, Ancestral Supplements. Has there ever been a company that spoke more to my soul? I don't think so. These guys are very on board with the nose to tail movement and the concept that eating the whole animal guts and all is the healthiest and most sustainable natural way to do it. They also know that maybe it isn't the most practical thing in the world to just eat kidneys and brains and hearts all day. 
like I do a lot of the time, if we're being honest. So they've conveniently processed and desiccated these high quality animal superfoods into pill form for those of you who, you know, aren't maybe ready for a tongue sandwich yet. I know that it's not me being dirty. I literally made a buffalo tongue sandwich the other day and it was delicious, but that's a whole other topic. Anyway, they have a huge range of offerings from beef liver to a combination of of beef organs to heart to kidney to bone marrow, tallow, collagen, lung, you name it. Um, And all of them kind of address specific needs or micronutrient requirements. Um, And you can kind of pick and choose and and play with them depending on what you need. And you can reach out to them directly and ask, and they will be happy to give you more information. They're super transparent. Look, I'm one of those people who actually eats organ meat, but when I'm not eating it as much, because maybe I don't have any in my fridge, I'm traveling, I'm just not feeling it. um, I use their supplements and look, I'm just being honest. I haven't had a cold in years. I've got pretty good health and blood markers and all that stuff. And I really believe that that is in large part due to my nutrient dense diet. So if you want to give their products a try, go over there, uh, ancestralsupplements.com or use the link in the show notes, uh, reach out to them on Instagram at ancestral supplements, tell them I sent you seriously. If you send them an email or a message on social media, they will get back to you. They're amazing like that. So go check them out and use the code Maven 10 for a discount. Um, I would start, I would recommend starting with either the beef organ complex or the beef liver, just because you're going to get the most bang for your buck nutritionally. But they, like I said, have all kinds of options. So go and figure it out for yourself, learn a little bit, ask some questions and give it a shot, right? I mean, you really can't lose. So jump on the meathead bandwagon with me, guys. Check out Ancestral Supplements, use the code MAVEN10. And now back to this amazing interview that I just interrupted. What do you call that brain? Oh, man. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Let me see the next question. This is one I'd like you to start with. Um, okay. What is the best cardio while following a keto diet? Should you do HIT for more fat burn or low intensity as it is a more ketogenic fueled activity? Mm. Great question. So right off the bat, I would say that we do know that, you know, HIT training and high intensity training does utilize more carbohydrates, right? So if you are looking to do HIT training, um, you know, again, it all depends on what your goals are, but I would say that especially if you're newer to keto, like if you're not fat adapted yet and you're just getting into keto, then I would personally say, you know, take, you know, take a break on the hit for a little bit. Um, because we know we have, we go through that adaptation phase, especially removing the carbohydrates. Um, so personally, I would say that list is probably like technically considered a more ketogenic fueled activity, as you said, because it is utilizing more fat as fuel versus HIT will utilize more carbohydrates as fuel. Um, so, but then once you do get adapted and you want to incorporate more HIT training, I think that that again just comes down to your overall stress bucket. Like, I think that depending on your diet, like, diet is important, but I think when we're implementing HIT, stress is the biggest thing that we need to be paying attention to. Um, so I talked about this in the, in the last podcast, I think that we recorded, but you know, I was doing CrossFit for a while and a lot of HIIT training and I wasn't seeing the results I wanted, but that's cause my stress bucket was just like completely overflowing. Um, so that's one thing. But then another thing is some people say, you know, <clears throat> if you're looking to get into a state of ketosis, um, and say you are, you know, coming off of, like a vacation or whatever it is, and you really like your goal is to get back into ketosis for a specific reason, then implementing HIT could be a potential um, way to deplete your glycogen stores faster than if you were to, you know, just go about the rest of the next few days and not incorporate any type of, you know, high intensity training. So that's one side of things. But again, I think it, it, it just comes back to what it always depends what your goal is. Um, and what you're trying to achieve in that sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I would really add is just that like low intensity, I think generally speaking is good for everyone across the board all the time. So it's something that we should all be getting our heads around. There are a lot of like fire breather type A people out there who are like, look, I don't have an hour to go for a walk. So I'm going to spend that hour doing a Metcon and then 500 burpees and then read a book or something like, I don't know. Um, 
this like low intensity movement, this neat, this non-exercise activity, like that stuff is crucial for everyone, old people, young people, high level athletes, everybody. It's mm -hmm. good for you. Um, and it matters what you do outside of the half hour or hour that you dedicate to working out every day. So if you can kind of think of low intensity as more just stuff you're doing in your life, right? Like I don't consider my morning walk, my workout. I mm -hmm. consider it as important as my workout. Um, but that's not necessarily, you know, going to be added up as part of my I don't know, cardio, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing is I'd say keto or not, like we should all, again, be trying to find more time in our day to have a walking chat with our friends, to take a work call while we're moving around, to listen to our podcast while we're walking outside. Mm -hmm. Like I can't stress that enough. And then the other thing on the other end of it is I would say for HIT, um, whether you're keto or not, if you're, if you are incorporating HIT, hit is quality over quantity, right? Like you don't, just because you can, or just because you feel like it, you probably shouldn't be doing hit every day. Um, cause it, for the exact reason that you said, because it's super high stress, um, exercise that is going to eventually provide diminishing returns and maybe cause more problems than it's fixing if you're doing hit every day. And a lot of people who maybe think they're doing hit are actually doing that like worst thing where it's sort of in the middle. It's like not actually high intensity, but it's not low intensity either. So it's literally just stressing you for like no reason. You're not even getting like the real adaptations and fat burning that you'd get from, from hit. You're just kind of stressing yourself out and tiring yourself out. So with, with hit, it's really less is more it's intensity and focus. It's doing something that you can do for really short, really intense mm -hmm bursts of time with the proper, um, recovery built into it. Um, again, like you're, if you think you're doing 45 minute hit workouts, you're not, no one's doing <laughs> yeah. that. Um, you know, if you're, if you can do a five to seven to maybe 10 minute, um, hit thing that has alternating time, like rest and stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Um, but I I'll do hit for five to seven minutes. And if I'm busting my ass, that's mm -hmm. absolutely enough. Um, so that's the only thing I would add is just like, you know, pay attention to what you're doing. And, and when you're, if you are going to do hit, do it, um, sparingly and put everything into it. And it's, it's definitely like intensity over time. Yeah, for sure. And then also with like keto too, we know that you know, keto is so different for so many people, right? Keto is, you know, being in a state of ketosis. And for some people, they can, you know, incorporate a bolus of carbs right before their workout and be back in ketosis a few hours mm -hmm. later. Um, so I think, again, it just comes back to what you're doing and experimenting specifically for yourself, right? So you can still be following a keto diet, incorporate carbs around your workout. So a targeted keto approach and still have the benefits of getting back into ketosis if that's the goal. Um, and so I think it just comes down to, you know, experimenting and trying different things and seeing what makes you feel best, right? So if you feel like absolute crap after you do a HIIT workout and you've been, you know, you're pretty low carb and keto, then that's probably a sign that it's probably not a good idea to continue doing that. Um, mm -hmm. Your body will tell you how it feels. And so if you can pay attention as much as possible to those signals, especially the recovery signals, um, I think that's super important. And yeah, so cool. that's all I gotta say Sweet. <laughs> for that. Um, awesome. Okay. Do you want me to ask the next one? Yeah. I just lost track of, I did a, <laughs> I did a Q and a yesterday with my keto for women program. Like I do a live every Tuesday evening. And I was like, again, it was puppy brain. And I like, my vision was like going and I totally skipped over like two questions. And someone asked me after live, she's like, is my question going to be answered next week? Cause it wasn't answered this week. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> stop blaming Lilo. I know. <laughs> I know I need to. So stop. cute. No, you're, I, I can only imagine, like, I feel like they are actually like as high maintenance as babies the first couple of oh weeks, probably, maybe not well, quite, but close. But that's the thing I was thinking about too. It's like babies have like diapers, right? So they can, you know, they don't pee and poop everywhere. Whereas the puppy is like, she's so, so cute when she's just like chilling and like you're rubbing her tummy. And then she's like a terrorist the other half of the time when she's like sniffing around. And then you, I don't know, I can get into all that, but. Well, at least you're not breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've um, got that. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. All right. We have three more questions. Um, let's get back to cardio. 
Do I have to do cardio to lose? Oh yeah. Sorry. Again, vision is impaired. Do I have to do cardio to lose weight if I feel like I've maximized everything else and I'm still holding on to fat? Um, and then in parentheses, she wrote maximizing diet, sleep, stress, and weightlifting. Um, do you want to hmm. start? Do you want me to start? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a couple things to unpack there. Again, it's always so helpful. Like if we had the person in front of us that we could mm -hmm. like grill with follow-up questions, but I mean, there is of course determining if you are maximizing those other things, right? Cause maybe you think you are and you aren't. Mm -hmm. So that's where having a, a coach or somebody objective outside to watch what you're doing and, and, and weigh in would be really helpful because maybe you think the food's ideal and it's not, maybe your mm -hmm. sleep actually isn't that great. Maybe you're over-exercising or under-eating. Like there's a ton of, of things there that you can play with and adjust and kind of tweak to see if, if you can continue moving the needle with those other um, elements since like you said, cardio really should ideally be a last resort and, and not a tool that anyone has to weigh too heavily on. Mm -hmm. um, another question could be there. And again, I have no idea who this person is, so this may not be applicable, but a lot of people, we've talked about this before that sadly, a lot of people and especially women, their ideal body composition is maybe 10, 15, 20 pounds different than what their body's ideal composition is. So what you wish you looked like based on looking at people on Instagram and magazines or whatever, um, may be different than what your actual healthy, sustainable body fat level is. So there could be there could be an element of you are doing everything right and your body is actually at a very healthy, happy place and you just want it to be leaner mm -hmm. um, to an extent that maybe isn't sustainable. So again, you can push and you can tweak and you can make things, you know, you can lose more fat if you need to. Um, but if it isn't a place that your body health is healthy at, if it isn't a place that your body's happy at, you may encounter some issues down the road if you try to stay in a place that just isn't reasonable. So you know, it's tough because you don't want to tell anybody like, Hey, just settle for a body that you're unhappy with, but mm -hmm. maybe you are at a very healthy, happy, reasonable body fat level and your expectations are, are unrealistic, That that's possible, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like sort of more high level existential questions you maybe need to ask yourself. But I do think that, um, like you said earlier, cardio and just increased movement, I mm -hmm. think maybe even less than the C word increased movement mm -hmm. is something that is going to help um, tweak and move the needle. And that's something that, again, like I had to do when I was doing mm -hmm. these bodybuilding competitions where I was trying to get leaner than what my body naturally wanted to do. So I had to be extra. I had to do more than if I was just trying to be healthy. Um, and cardio was that. And again, mm -hmm. I wasn't like kind of busting my ass with like 20 K jogs every day or anything, but I was walking a lot more than I would have otherwise. I was dedicating more time to daily movement because I was just at that point trying to burn more calories than I was eating. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I guess a short answer is maybe if you have literally exhausted everything else and you're still holding on to body fat that you don't like, cardio is probably going to help. Um, but it's deciding like, do you actually need to lose more fat? And did you actually do everything else you could before? Because it seems like this person is saying cardio is the last resort. I don't really want to do if I don't yeah. have to. Yeah. Um, so those are the questions you want to ask yourself before you kind of move forward with that. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with everything you said. And I think that also thinking of a, like, if you, you know, do get to that point where you're like, okay, I still want to get leaner and I've exhausted, like you said, all of these things, my sleep's in check, my stress is in check. Um, everything else is in check. My nutrition is in check in the sense of I am, you know, paying attention to it. I have objective metrics that I'm, you know, tracking whatever my calories, my macros, all of that, making sure all that's good. And you do still want to get leaner then yes, you probably have to implement some type of calorie, uh, some type of cardio to, um, you know, push that needle a little bit further, like you said, but doing it strategically is super important. So going from like zero to a hundred, is probably not the best idea. Um, when I'm personally implementing cardio for clients and for myself, we do it gradually, right? So for example, if you went from doing no cardio um, and you want to start including cardio into your you know, weekly goals, right? Or your weekly um, training, then for example, maybe implementing like two days of like low intensity cardio for like 20 to 30 minutes, um, see how that goes, 
again, keeping everything else in check. And then maybe the next week you do two days of, you know, say the first week was two days of 20 minutes. Second week is two days of 25 minutes. Maybe the third week is two days of 30 minutes. And then you maybe switch to three days of 20 minutes, right? So you're gradually, gradually increasing it rather than going from like zero to like five days of cardio. Um, and you know, so that's what I would say just because we do know, like I said, our bodies adapt right very easily to cardio and we want to use it super strategically as that tool. If it's being used for fat loss, um, because you know, if you go, for example, run a mile this week and the amount of, you know, the amount of calorie, say you burned a hundred calories running a mile this week. I'm just, this is just an arbitrary number. Then you go to run that same mile next week or the week after you're, maybe you burn 90 calories, right? Yeah. And then it continues to decrease because you become more efficient at it, right? So when we're talking about cardio for fat loss, you definitely don't want to be efficient because the more efficient you guess you get, the less calorie burn occurs. And so you're doing the, the, the goal that you're doing this for actually becomes less, right? Versus if you are doing cardio to train for a sport, like a marathon, it's the opposite. You want to become more efficient because you want to become faster and you want to yeah. use less energy when you're doing that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of my take on that, but I think you hit on it. Everything you said, I hundred percent agree. Squash isn't that good. <laughs> Sorry, I have, well, to keep, I, I have to keep adding dissenting opinions in here. I know. I was I know. actually looking at just as a quick aside. I was looking at your um, some of your recipes on your website the other day because I want to make. Um, even though I think I kind of know how to do it, but the like electrolyte jello, like the uh -huh. gummies, and I just anyway. And uh, I think I saw a squash dessert that you have mm -hmm. on there that I'm like, all right, this I can get into. Okay, yeah. turning squash into something sweet going to try it. So I will do that and report back to you. Yeah, for sure. Well, the kabocha squash, that's the thing. And that's one of the reasons why I love it. Cause Very I love sweet, sweet things. Yeah. And so it's literally like on my blog, it's nature's candy. Um, because I, it's like literally so good. So I can't, <laughs> I just rolled my eyes at you with respect. <laughs> nature's candy. You okay. know what nature's candy is? Maple syrup, honey, I thought which go, which go well on, well, and yeah, that too, which go well on squash. So, okay. Yes, we we found a place to agree. All right. Um, All right. this is a good question. This is a good question because we talk so much about people who hate cardio. It's, it's good to get the other side of it. Yeah. So this person's asking the question, what if I like cardio and endurance stuff like long hikes, long bikes, long runs, do I still have to eat carbs to support this? Or can I be super low carb or carnivore and still perform well at like endurance cardio stuff? Great question. I keep pulling my ear out. Sorry. Um, okay. Yes. Great question. So I would say it kind of just goes back to what I mentioned a few questions ago with, you know, fueling your activity and, and what that activity is. Um, I think that especially with endurance, because, you know, if we're, if we're talking about like long runs or long hikes, I would say hikes for me, long hikes <laughs> depends because when you're doing a hike, like if you're, you know, it depends how much you're actually like climbing in that sense, because that can be turned into, you know, it can be, you know, low intensity to actually pretty high intensity. If you're doing a pretty extreme hike, right? Like, I feel like you do, mm -hmm. do you do a bunch of hiking? I do a lot of hiking around yeah. here. And, uh, like in, um, there's a park called Gatineau park in Quebec, which is very close to where I live and it's beautiful and huge. And there's a ton of trails and most of them are quite hilly. Yeah. So yeah, it gets intense real quick, but it's also, it can be both, right? Cause mm -hmm. you can do a 10 K hike six miles and a couple miles of it are like nice, beautiful, easy walking through the woods. And all of a sudden you're like on a 90% yeah. incline on <laughs> and stuff and it's like pretty intense so you might be kind of hitting different uh you know workouts yeah in the middle of one you know yeah, yeah. so i would say like you don't she said do i have to eat carbs to support this um again it just comes back to really you know first of all how adapted you are to a lower carb diet um and then also again what your activity is like so if it's you know super you know if it's just a uh, you know, a light jog or a light run or whatever, or, or light bike ride or whatever it is. And you feel like you have good energy and you're feeling good and you're not having any carbs, um, then go with it. Right. If you feel like you can't get through that bike ride and you're just completely drained again, this is, you know, in the context of you're already adapted, right. We want to talk about that. We want to make sure that we mention that because in the first few weeks of 
keto adaptation, you're definitely going to have, you know, a little bit lower energy, especially during workouts. That's just kind of how that transition works. Um, one tip with that would be just making sure your electrolytes are on, are on point. Um, cause that's one thing that I see a lot. It's like, you know, I have this crappy energy during my training. And, um, once we start incorporate, they're like, I think I need to, you know, add carbs back in. But then when we, you know, maybe incorporate more electrolytes into, into the mix, it starts to, you know, you're like, Oh, I have more energy now. And it's not necessarily the carbohydrates, but it's your electrolyte imbalance. So that's just one mm-hmm. side note. Um, but yeah, I think this kind of just goes back to what, what I mentioned before with the other question, like it just really just depends how you're feeling during that and paying attention to how you're feeling during that activity. And then also afterwards, how you're recovering, um, mm-hmm. and then just experimenting, right. And trying things out and seeing, you know, what, you know, maybe if you did implement, implement a little bit of carbs, you know, before your long hike, or you brought, you know, something with you that allowed you to, you know, get a little bit more energy during that hike, you know, just try different things out. I think that's the, the biggest takeaway is like, everybody's so different. And if you don't try something, you're never going to know like what's helping or what's not. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think probably like, again, considering if you're fat adapted and you're healthy, I think that like a general answer is no, you don't have to, we don't have to eat carbs. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. It's very helpful and useful in a lot of cases. And why, would, why wouldn't why would you when it is an easier, more mm-hmm. effective way to fuel yourself, I think is another conversation because a lot of this is like, okay, can you train to be a bodybuilder and never eat carbs? Can you do an ultra marathon and being carnivore and all this stuff? And it's like, yeah, maybe, but if it's way harder, why not like, like, why do you want to do it with mm-hmm. zero carbs is, is the other question. And maybe there's a valid reason and maybe you want to, and that's fine. But so often we're like trying to like, it's like, we're trying to make it harder for ourselves sometimes. And if you look at the flip side of it and, and this concept of nothing, no food or no macronutrient is bad or evil, it's how you use it. Right. Yeah. And so the, the other side of this coin is that if you are doing ultra endurance training and you're running and hiking and biking all day long, you can probably get away with eating more carbs and you can probably use these carbs more effectively than somebody who's sitting on their butt all day. So yeah. if you're not concerned, if, you've, if, you, if you're healthy, if you're metabolically healthy, if you've experimented with different carb sources and you know ones that make you feel good and don't give you crazy blood sugar crashes and they give you energy, why not experiment with using some of these strategically in your training if it's going to make your performance better and it's easier like it's not easy to do ultra endurance runs or races if you can only eat like meat and fat like i'm have to carry around like coconut oil and like <sighs> eat it while i'm on the run like maybe you bring some trail mix or maybe you bring some things that are higher carb that are just easy to digest that you can stuff in that give you energy and make you feel good like i think it's important to have these kind of nuanced conversations because we a lot of people talk about this idea that no we do not need carbs that doesn't mean that they're evil and you should never have them Mm -hmm. maybe you just you know like you said experiment and figure out which ones work and when they work and maybe some uh training you do it totally fat Mm -hmm. and protein and you don't need carbs and then maybe on on competition day when you need that extra burst of energy and you know your body's going to use it properly um so you know just kind of doing that that kind of work and experimentation with yourself like i know when i'm doing um when i'm doing like if i was going to do like a powerlifting competition or if i'm going to do train jujitsu or if i'm going to do a 20k hike like i could probably get through it with zero carbs because i'm fat adapted mm-hmm. but i wouldn't i would eat carbs because yeah. i want the energy and i want to eat carbs around crazy intense workouts so yeah. i figure out the ones that work for me that i like and i'll eat them yeah. uh so anyway yeah and it, yeah exactly and i think also just <clears throat> the the opposite side of thing opposite side of things as well is like having that you know lower carb kind of foundation is definitely, I, I personally think definitely beneficial with endurance training as well, because if you can rely more on fat as fuel during those periods of time, when your body is using more fat for fuel versus, you know, if you're not fat adapted, if you don't, if your body's not used to using fat as fuel, it's going to be a lot harder to kind of do that. Right. And you're going to be so reliant on glucose and sugar. Um, so that's where it's kind of like, okay, yes, have that base and build up that base of fat adaptation so your body understands how to use fat as fuel and then incorporate carbs strategically to, you know, increase that performance. Right. So I think that's like what you said, super important. Then it's also, you know, just looking at the spectrums of like the way that I look at carbs is like the leaner you are, the more active you are, 
the, probably the more carbs you can quote unquote get away with incorporating and the more sedentary and more, you know, overweight you are probably the less carbs that you would, um, implement. Right. So yeah, yeah you just there. look at it like, again, not, not as like a, a emotional or judgmental thing, but the more body fat you have, the more fuel you're carrying around with you. Exactly. So you just, you just don't need extra stuff. And if your goal is to get rid of some of that extra fuel on your body, you probably aren't going to achieve that by constantly putting more fuel in. Cause it's going to use those carbs before it uses the, the fat and the, the, the energy that it has in your, you know, that you already have in your body. So it's just sort of like a practical thing. Like you've got some extra fuel, use that first before you kind of get the exogenous stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But then also realize too that fat in itself, it doesn't mean that you can just, you know, chug down coconut oil and chug down, you know, lots of butter and stuff like that. It, It still has fat is still fuel, right? External fat is still fuel. So we still have to keep that kind of energy balance into, 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 you know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that's, I think where keto has gone wrong for a lot of people in the sense of, um, they're like, you know, I fall in a keto diet, but I'm not losing any weight. And that's one of the things that personally I've seen with a lot of clients is like not paying attention to that side of things. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's kind yeah. of another topic. But. Well, cause it's a, it's a marketing thing too. It's like, mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what you can't eat, which is carbs, it's focusing on what you can eat, which is fat, which translates to people saying, you can eat all the fat you want. You can just eat all the fat. And, you know, to a certain extent that's good because it's helping us get over our misguided fears around dietary fat and how eating fat makes you fat and fat is bad for you and it'll clog your arteries. But at the same time, it has taught a generation of people that you you can, like you said, just cover everything in cheese and butter and you'll magically lose weight, which doesn't yeah. work for most people. So yeah. Um, yeah. Again, nuance, yeah. context. Um, yeah. All right. Last question. Um, last cardio question, which I literally just threw in because I thought it would be funny. What is your favorite and maybe then least favorite uh, forms of cardio? Hmm. Am I answering this first? Yeah, you're answering it. <laughs> okay. Um, So it's like hard for me to say this. So when we're talking about cardio, is it, we're, we're talking about like, are we saying like, you know, it doesn't matter what form of cardio, like list hit, whatever. Yeah. All of it. Like what do you, you, maybe you talk about, yeah. Like what your, your favorite, like low intensity, what your favorite high intensity. So I would say my favorite. And when I say favorite low intensity, it's probably just like walking on an incline treadmill. If I'm doing it for uh, fat loss purposes, but if I'm doing it just for like overall general health purposes. It would just be like walking outside and like, you know, a brisk walk, um, and just, you know, enjoying that or doing like a bike ride outside. Although my bike got stolen last year, so I haven't done an outside bike ride in a long time, but Mm -hmm. I did used to do triathlons in college. So that is something I do enjoy like cycling outside, um, and hiking. I haven't done a bunch of hikes lately, but hiking, I would say too. Um, so that would be my favorite, like low intensity. And then also rowing, um, mm-hmm. rowing is, is fun. Um, it's, it, I, I have like a, a love hate relationship with rowing. It's like, I love it, but it's also like really hard <laughs> for Very me. Hard. Yeah. yeah. And that's something too, like before I got into CrossFit, I never rowed before. And I was like, Oh, like rowing looks pretty easy. Like this is fine. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is the hardest thing ever. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Would you ever compete in uh, triathlons again? Like even just sort of for fun, but like in actual competitions? I thought about it. Um, I probably would do like a sprint, which is just like the, the shortest distance. Usually sprints are like a quarter to half mile swim, um, a like 13 to 50 mile bike, and then a 5k run. Um, those are always just fun. So I would, I might do that. I did, you know, always have the goal of compete, of completing a half Ironman. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but in college I had, I got compartment syndrome, exertional compartment syndrome in my lower leg. I don't think you did. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was this, so I was training for a half Ironman my junior year of college and I was, I overtrained, right? I wasn't, this was when my nutrition really wasn't in check that, that great. Um, and then also I was just like, type A personality, more is better, keep going. Um, and so I got, I ended up developing exertional compartment syndrome, which basically, um, your, uh, like the muscles around your legs swell, the fascia doesn't stretch. Um, so you get swelling and it can cause nerve compression. So I actually had to get a bilateral fasciotomy in my lower legs where they basically cut through 
yeah, <laughs> they cut through the fascia to release the pressure. Um, so that I kind of, you know, was always like, oh, I'm going to do another half. I'm going to do a half Ironman to, you know, cause I want to, I was training for it and I didn't get to do it. So it was kind of like, I got, you know, whatever. So anyway, do you have any maybe. pictures of that? Do you have any pictures of gory, gory pictures? I do. I actually, and I have like, I have scars too, like on my legs, but I do have a picture <laughs> when it, when I first got out of surgery, it's like my calf was literally as big as my thigh and it's like really <sighs> gross. But anyway, we, <laughs> we don't have to talk about this too much, but one, uh, oh, sorry. What were you going to say? <clears throat> okay. First of all, I want to see the gross pictures. <laughs> Second of all, I think that maybe, I mean, like in another episode, maybe in the future, yeah. we'll see if people give us some feedback about this episode, because that's something that, um, along with like doms and like mm-hmm. things that can happen when you push too hard, I yeah. think could be an interesting episode to talk about because I've heard of that before, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't think I know anybody who's had it, whatever. Like it would be an interesting story to tell. So like yeah. that might be, uh, something to, yeah, for sure. Cause it is something like I was, you know, it was on runs. I, I thought I was just like cramping or getting, you know, I would start, I started to get drop foot where you can't, um, dorsiflex your ankle. And I was like, Oh, it's just shin splints. And I just kept running through it, running through it until it got to a point where I was like, no, like this isn't, <laughs> this isn't right. Um, so yeah. And wow. I was, I was, I did my underground athletic training. So like I was literally studying this exact thing and I wasn't paying attention to it myself. And that's like, you know, they say, what, what's that saying? Like you're your own, you know, worst critic or enemy or whatever that is. It's like, yeah, I was trying to, you know, help a lot of all the athletes I was working with. And I just wasn't paying attention to like what was actually happening with myself. So anyway, it is a total like human nature thing. Like we talk about this all the time. Like I talked about it mostly with regard to dealings that I've had with other professionals in the fitness industry where everyone's like, you can't spread yourself too thin. You can't have 20 goals at the same time. You can't do this and that, and you have to sleep before you work. And then these people would turn around and do the exact opposite because everyone thinks that they're the exception and like this isn't to to harshly judge anyone or say that you're you were crazy or whatever but it's like you were thinking like i'm learning all this stuff i'm helping all these other people this is what you have to do and you just literally weren't turning it on yourself and people do it all the time right like i i've had moments where i've done it too where i'm just like oh don't work too don't work too hard in the gym you're gonna burn yourself out and i'm like I go over and do exactly. exactly what, you know, but you, you learn, you learn a lesson, right? And hopefully there are some people out there who are smart enough to learn from other people's lessons instead of having to do it themselves because no one is the exception to yeah. these rules. No one, you, no one's special. No one's that special. Um, 100%. anyway. Yeah. So that was, those are my favorite. Did I answer that? Yeah. Yeah. Growing I mean, and walking. Yeah. Good. I mean, that's, Cycling. that's for me, like the low intensity stuff, absolutely. Walking outside, hiking hundred percent. I mean, that is just so good for your brain and your body. I like swimming as a, and that again could be high intensity or low intensity, but I was a swimmer growing up and I, that's like kind of one of my favorite sports. And I think it's, um, I find it personally like longer distance swimming, both open water and in a pool. I find it like really meditative the the way that a lot of people find like hiking and walks meditative and i find it extra so because you are forced into a breathing rhythm um you know when you're walking or hiking you can still breathe with your mouth open and you can you know take shallow breaths and you can not be breathing properly when you're swimming you have to breathe in a rhythmic proper fashion or else you're not going to get too far. So for me, when I, and I haven't really swum like seriously for a long time, but I love it. And it's like always a part of my life. I want to get back to it. But when I was swimming a lot, I found it incredibly meditative for that reason. It's just sort of like your body can go on autopilot and then you enter this breathing rhythm that is just when you hit it and you can do it forever. It's just, it's really calming and and cool. And it's of course very low um, stress on your joints and Mm -hmm. low gravity and all that good stuff. So it's good of some kind of injuries or issues where they don't want to put a lot of strain on their joints. Um, and then as far as hit goes, we didn't talk about that. I like when I'm, if I'm going to do hit, I like to go all out and do the worst possible things. So I love burpees. I Mm. love the assault bike. I really like skipping is another good one for high intensity, like double unders, like Mm. just go do 500 double unders, like call it a day. Yeah. Um, But burpees and like, yeah, assault bike, airdyne, like if you're going to do it, 
if you're going to say this workout's only going to be five minutes long, I'm going to really beast myself. I'm going to make sure it's worth it. I'm going to make sure that it is unpleasant and it hurts and it's effective. And there's no better way to do that than burpees yeah. and a salt bike. So yeah. 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 I, I actually, with the salt bike, it's like another love hate thing with that thing too. Um, yeah. but in terms of swimming, so have you ever done a triathlon or, or considered doing one? I have, I've, cons I've definitely considered, I mean, I've done a couple, like, um, Alex and I will do like our own triathlons. Mm -hmm. Like we just make up a route, like, you know, at home, um, we'll swim 800 meters, mm -hmm. run 5k and then like paddleboard 5k or something like we kind of create our own. And I, I, I'd be totally interested in doing a, um, sprint level one. Um, I'm not really interested in the longer term stuff. I like watching people do Ironmans. Don't want to do one myself. <laughs> um, but the swim, the long distance swimming, I actually am kind of interested in. Like I, and I've watched all these documentaries of people who like swim across the ocean and shit. Like I'm not going that far. Um, but I, I do like like the sort of one, two, three K kind of swims, like open water stuff. Like I think that is actually really fun. Um, so I'd be interested in like exploring some different options. Yeah. So yeah. swimming was like my least favorite part of the three. Mm -hmm. Um, so like just thinking about, we could totally do like a relay, which would be so fun. I've always wanted to do a relay where you have, you know, someone, yeah. swim, someone bikes and someone runs and it's like, so, so what fun. would you do bike or run? Um, I probably bike. Okay. All right. So, so we got to find a good find runner then. Who, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that's our, that's our next goal for <laughs> that can be our goal. Yeah. Yeah. Until the next time uh, we get together for a podcast, we got to find somebody who's willing to do the shittiest part of the triathlon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, this has been cardio talks with yeah. Ashley and Rachel. Love it. We'll have more, um, maybe, maybe not cardio, but we'll definitely have more talks. Um, and we have another, the next topic is nutrition. So that's a big for that. bucket of chicken. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you next time. All right. Bye. All right. That's a wrap for cardio chats. Ashley and Rachel. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any maybe follow-up questions, any comments, anything you think we missed around the cardio conversation, let us know. Send me a message on Instagram at the Muscle Maven. Maybe you can leave a comment on the post. I post little IG clips um, of the episodes every Tuesday when the episode goes live. It's also on YouTube, by the way. So I don't know where you guys listen to podcasts anymore. I, I can't keep track with all this stuff, but <laughs> I am on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify. Um, I'm on YouTube. All of the episodes, the full video, so you can watch us chat, is on YouTube. Um, and I will link that, but you can just search Muscle Maven Radio and you'll find me. So thank you, as always, for listening. Please download, subscribe, share, leave a review, give me some feedback. I need it in order to live. Okay. That's how this works. Um, thank you for um, sponsoring the podcast, Ancestral Supplements. You guys are the best. Use the code MUSCLE10 for a discount. Uh, get your grass-fed desiccated organ supplements. If you're not exactly on board with eating liver yet, which of course is my first recommendation, but if you can't do that, if you haven't bought the book yet, you know, maybe you're a little freaked out go get some beef liver, get some beef organs, maybe try some collagen, try some beef tallow. They make a significant difference in my health. I know I take them every time I travel, anytime I go anywhere and I'm not actually eating the real thing. Um, it's a supplement, but it's a real food. And that's kind of how I like to live my life. I'm not trying to do all this crazy, like live till you're 180 biohacking. I'll just take it all and see what sticks. I want to actually like put things in my body that are real and useful and are going to help me. And Ancestral Supplements is one of those companies. So check them out. Ancestral Supplements, the link is in my bio and also in the show notes. The code is MUSCLE10. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being here and I'll see you next week.